My name is Joshua Antoine in Toledo, Ohio. Uh, I breed Alapaha Blue Blood Bulldogs. Um, I first got started, well, I first got hip to the breed, actually, in 2006. In 2006, I got hip to the breed because uh, there was a guy, the dog warden, named Tom Skeldon. Anyone can Google this guy. This guy hated pit bulls. And I used to love pit bulls. The guy hated them. He used to try to put them down as much as he wanted to. Um, made people wear muzzles on them. Uh, you had to get insurance on them. Blah, blah, blah. Pretty much long story. Uh, he was one of the worst dog wardens in Toledo, Ohio. And he made national news about, you know, how many dogs he used to put down. And and he made them a vicious animal um, in the state of Ohio. And I wanted to find something that could protect my family when I went to work, um, similar to a good pit bull. And I just happened to be Googling, you know, going down the wormhole of the Internet. And I found uh, a Lapaz. And it kind of struck me because, you know, they were pretty catchy because I wasn't hip to the Merle gene. So they caught my eye immediately. And I started reading up on them. And they were pretty protective. They got, on most websites, they got four stars out of five in protection. And uh, that pretty much intrigued me. And I started getting into them, little white pine kennels, um, South Bay bullies, uh... I mean, it, the list goes on and on. Uh, Neuron kennels. Uh, I mean, a lot of different kennels I contacted in, in the matter of three years before I bought a dog. Um, I'm not one of those people that likes to jump in the deep end right away. Mm -hmm. I like to swim first and then, you know, go in the pool. Mm -hmm. And uh, after three years, I ended up making my first buy with um, UAB's uh, Karma Jade. And she was from uh, Mighty Oaks Bulldogs. And the reason I bought her was uh, back then, I used to work out quite a bit, used to run, used to jog. Mm -hmm. And there's two different, well, the Lapahas are separated in different bloodlines. The Lapahas, the Animal Research Foundation was the first to recognize the Lapaha as its own breed. And then the ABBA, um, started their own brand of Alapahas. And I fell in love with the ARF because I saw mobility in that dog. And that's what I needed for my first dog. So that first dog became my, like my jogging partner. And uh, still to this day, she's, she's 10 years old and still one of my best dogs. She's just mm -hmm. great, you know. And then my other few dogs came from the ABBA because the ABBA lines are more for the cosmetic look. They were more of your typical bulldog, like the oldie times. But even then, some of the other ones, they're, they're more towards the ARF tendency. So, you know, the Lapaha isn't really established as in like a type of look. So the Lapaha maintains uh, more of a function of a dog. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much how I got pretty much into it, man. Right. right. Yeah, I, I, I breed. Um, hell, I kind of lost track. I know. Let's see. I'm at about my 15th to 16th litter right now that's on the ground right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's ever since I got my first Alapa in 2009. So it's not like yeah. breed 
crazy amounts, but when we do breed, we want to make sure that we get, we're breeding the best dog we can. Um, I don't show. I don't. I I show at interna international canine events, which is uh, ICE. I show at Ibeca, and uh, I showed at BBC, and I've won um, best in show in almost every venue. I've been to, except for okay. I've won Best in Show female, but that's, I haven't won Best in Show overall. Okay. okay. So I like to do all aspects, man. I, You know, in my eyes, there's three aspects of a dog. There's conservation, which is one. Uh, the dog has to be uh, structurally correct. Um, there's working, which the dog has to be brave, as in working events, as in, like, lure coursing, um, protection work. Um, I mean, anything that makes the dog, basically. Mm -hmm. so, to me, that's kind of working, as and as well as the CGC. Now, I have a few working titles, but nothing on the protection level, which I'm working on right now. Okay. Um, there's the health aspect, and that's the one thing that I focused on right away was the health aspect. And in my eyes, the dog has to have good hips, has to be healthy, um, in order to maintain the function of the dog. Mm -hmm. If the dog doesn't have, like, the good hips, the good heart, the good, um, you know, structurally, the good inside, it's not going to have the stamina that it should have in a working environment. So that's the first thing I look at right now. Mm -hmm. And that's basically what I breed towards is that, and I, I feel like the rest will follow in. Hey, that's that's the fun part of the Balapaha. See, there's a there's a lot of just like any dog breed. There's a lot of arguing. Now, do you remember all the ABs how they were back in the day? Um, you know, you had your Heinz, you had your Johnson, and people used to argue about you know the different lines, and then more people started putting the lines together, saying they're all American Bulldogs. We're just gonna make the best possible. That's pretty much where the Lapaha is now. Mm -hmm. um, there's two very, very distinct different lines. But, of course, you know, if the one used one line and didn't breed it out, that one line that they, they use is still in that line that they started. Mm -hmm. So the first line, I'll start off with the Animal Research Foundation. They were the first to recognize the breed in 1987. Uh, Lana Lou Lane was the first breeder of the Lapaha Blue Blood Bulldog. We wouldn't be talking today about the Lapaha Blue Blood Bulldog if it wasn't for Mrs. or Miss Lane. Um, she started the breed with them, and her goal, in my eyes anyways, because you'll have always have people arguing what was her goal, um, Back then, and I, I'm not going to BS you on any part. I'm going to tell you, like, how it is. I don't feel, I feel the truth is better than the false truth. Um, back then, you got to think that Johnson was making his name. And he was down in southern states and making his name of his dogs. And I feel that Lana wanted to make a name for herself as well, which, you know, that's okay. That deserves to be. 
um, she started putting in all kinds of different dogs. I mean, just like any any cook-off, any chili cook-off, you don't know what chef is put into what pot. As long as the pot tastes good, it's a damn good chili. And that's pretty much what the Lapaha is, man. I mean, it's a damn good dog. We don't know what ingredients Lana Lulaina started with, but her Indian results was a pretty damn good dog. Um, that got recognized by the Animal Research Foundation. And then about 10 years afterwards, I would say, that's when the ABBA started. The ABBA started because um, Mr. Coleman got a few dogs from third parties and uh, did a breeding down from Malapa and started outcrossing in different bloodlines and mixing in more of a bulldogish type of look. And again, no one knows what he wanted except him himself. Um, people can say what he wanted, but until you actually talk to him yourself, you don't know what he wanted. Mm -hmm. um, that dog, that Alapaha version, became more of a the traditional desired look. And the, the publicity of the Alapaha he made that. He, he, he was a marketer. He marketed those dogs properly, and those dogs are catchy looking. And those are some of the dogs that you might see today. And uh, his organization started around, I would say, about 95-ish, 2000-ish, because he couldn't get his dogs um, registered with the ARF like all other Alapahas. And... Uh, that pretty much um, started the ABBA, and that's where the ABBA was was um, birthplace at about those years. Mm -hmm. um, those are the two different lines, and for so many years, man, so many years, any dog breeds that they're gonna have fighting. They're gonna have people that don't agree with your general ideas. They're gonna have people that don't agree with each other. Well, what he had for his idea, what Lana Lou Lane had for her idea, was completely separate. So that started a lot of tension and a lot, a lot of hate within the breed. And it still is here today. Um, me, personally, I look at it the same way that I told you. It's like an American Bulldog. That's an American Bulldog. That's an American Bulldog. Just make the best damn bulldog you can make. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, that's where I'm at in the breed. I'm done with the fighting. I'm done with the arguing. I've seen it happen so many damn times. And to me, the more you argue, the more you fight, the less you're going to see a good dog. And what that guy basically did, um, Mr. Coleman basically did, he took some ARF dogs. And now remember, if you add something, you're gonna have to you ha you're gonna have to pet quality and I mean pet quality as in fixing um, every single dog down from those attributes but he didn't do that so those good ARF attributes that got the Alapaha famous and actually you know got everyone first hearing about them um, those attributes are still there in many dogs today even from his lines mm -hmm. so basically uh you know, the dogs, 
they're great dogs. They're great dogs, man. They're great dogs. Sorry. One of the breeds that uh, Lana used was the Catahoula Leopard Dog. Um, see, like I said, back in the day, you saw Johnson making a name for himself, and that's what I feel. She, um, I'm not always right. I'm not going to be right. But in my yeah. aspect, what I kind of see is that she wanted to make make a name for herself and make her own type of dogs because, you know, nowadays everyone makes a breed. Every, I mean, there's Valley Bulldogs. There's, you know, the Ameri look at the American Bully. They're all over the place now, you know. Um, I feel she wanted to make her name in the breed, and back then the American Bulldog was going real high and gaining ground, and I think, you know, she wanted to add that color um, to AB and make a whole different breed and bring her name out, which she did. She accomplished that, and bravo to her for that. She she did exactly what she wanted to do, and uh, Mr. L. Walker, the head of the ARF, allowed it and said, hey, this is your own breed. So uh, she did pretty good at that, man, and she added a lot more different breeds into the mix. Um, I talked to a guy from Australia. And uh, he still hunts blue blood bulldogs um, that he got from her. And this guy, he, he still gets like five to five to ten hogs a, a week with these dogs. So yeah, they're they're made to work, man. They're made to do what they're meant to do. Um, they started off in uh, Georgia, so you know down there. Those uh, men and ladies down there, they, they want their dogs to go through the forest. They want their dogs to work. They don't want their dogs to slack out after a mile. They they want those dogs chugging. They want those dogs working abilities all the way up and high. They want those dogs protect. They want those because you never know, coyotes and, you know, intruders. They want those dogs to sit there and protect and do what a canine duty is supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they she added... Uh, Blackmouth Curves, um, American Bulldogs. She added uh, Catahoulas for the color. Um, that's what made them catchy. She, um, she added, I mean, probably Kobe Pitbulls. I mean, you really don't, like I said, with the chili thing, you really don't know exactly what she had, but those are the documented breeds that she is. She's uh, definitely added. So. <laughs> If you want to go towards the ABBA type of side, then uh, you're going to have to put in Hermes. You're going to have to put in um, Lavette Bulldogs. Who knows what pit bulls, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, it's just right. on and on, man. Right. But they definitely, I mean, they kept the Merle gene. Once you add something, you're going to have to pet quality every every single puppy with those dominant traits. Mm -hmm. If not, then they're just going into the bloodline. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Me, personally, I'm one of the few that likes to get out and do something with these dogs. Not like do something as in uh, my own area, but like to travel and put these dogs to a test. Mm -hmm. um, the Lapahana right now, like I mentioned, is where the AB is about 20 years ago, so not many people are doing stuff with their dogs, but the but I feel you're about to see a big burst here in about ten years, and it's going to be more and more of these yeah. dogs going to be coming into a household name, and as of right now, 
you don't see these dogs really getting into like the working aspects, but in about within ten years, you're you're probably gonna see at least twenty get in there, at least twenty. Um, this is I feel the big boom. You know, this is gonna be the decade. I won't say the decade. Um, I feel the next ten years be a big big few years for Lapa as long as everyone cooperate and work with each other. Because mm -hmm. I want to see if you saw the large type of variety in the dog. Yeah. Yeah. That's just in my lines. And um, like I said, I started with the ARF dog mm -hmm. and uh, got the ABBAs. But as you can see, I got like, I'm on my third, fourth generation. You still see that ARF kicking because like you said, I like a good working animal. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to breed away from that. You know, you got a good working animal. You got a dog that's smart. You got a dog that knows, just knows. Because let me tell you a story about um, Karma, my my foundation dog. Karma, I went to a park one time. And uh, I live in the city. You know what I mean? So, you know, there's a bunch of people. And I went to a park and all these kids was coming up on karma all these different uh guys you know dog guys coming up on karma checking her out because she's a merle she didn't have a problem well when we walked up to the park there was a big guy big guy bald just sitting on a bench and uh he's watching all these kids play i'm thinking like you know i'm not paying too much attention to it you know because i got you know my kids and you know, I'm holding the dog and stuff like that, and I'm just making sure the dog doesn't, you know, do something that she's not supposed to do. And that's, you know, she was like nine months at the time. Mm -hmm. um, she starts growling and barking like crazy. Well, the more I walk up to the park, I notice she's focused on this one guy. I'm sitting on the bench watching these kids play. Well, I came over, and I started um, sitting inside the shelter house with the dog. I tied the dog up to the bench inside the shelter house, all these people coming over. That's a cool dog. I haven't seen coat like this. I'm, this is a really cool dog. And she was fine. But she stayed focused on this other guy, watching him the whole time. As soon as this guy got up, she went berserk. As soon as this guy came over to the shelter house, went to say hi, what kind of dog is that? Her hair stood up on all. She stood up on her front feet, ready to go. I mean, like I said, she was still a puppy then. And she wanted to challenge this guy. And I'm like, damn, I'm sorry. I apologized to him. I said, man, I'm sorry. I'm, I, you know, she hasn't been acting like this. I don't know what's her problem. Well, the guy took off, and I noticed that he took off without any kids. I'm thinking he, you know, could have took his grandchildren up there. Or, you know, maybe his girlfriend was up there with her grandchild. Who knows? No, man, dude was sitting there watching all these kids play all by himself. Mm. And Carmel instantly knew that. So, in my eyes, I want an intelligent dog. You know, to me, I feel like a dog has a sixth sense. They have that sense of someone that has potential danger to them. And a dog needs to know that. Um, if a dog doesn't know that, then it's just not a canine protective dog. Mm -hmm. And to me, karma showed me that. And that's why you see such variety, because I want to keep her dominant traits all the way through my lines, no matter what, man. I want to keep those brains in my lines. So when talking about all those different types, um, just in my lines alone, then yeah, that's, you know, that's, you see that large aspect and the more towards, um, I've noticed the more towards you get that bulliness, 
you kind of lean away from that. So my goal right now is to keep that, like a black dog look, like uh, you've seen with uh, UAB's, uh, he's a grand champion, Griffin, owned by PJ, a buddy PJ. He's a real good owner, works his dog to death. The dog loves him. You know, I can only, I mean, like I tell people, you know, my buddy PJ is your key type of owner. He works his dogs. He feeds the dogs appropriately. He don't baby the dogs. Because I feel like if you baby the dogs, you kind of lose the dog's natural ability to protect, you know. Mm -hmm. And he's a, such a great owner. And, uh, you know, he's, he, he works with his boy. And uh, I want his type of build with Karma's type of intelligence. That's my goal. That's my personal goal my lines. I can't say that for everyone else's lines, but that's my personal goal. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, the Laba has high in game, but I mean, you're talking about American Pit Bull Terrier. I mean, they're like the, the top dogs out there, you know what I mean? Like, I would like to say our dog's just as good as American Pit Bull, but then again, you got, what, how many different centuries behind that Pit Bull breeding? It's just not going to happen. Um, do I think the Lapa has that type of potential? Yes. The Lapa does have potential in different lines to have that type of game. But remember, the Pitbull has years, decades of breeding behind him. You're talking about the Lapa that's just pretty much just now coming into the national spotlight. Mm -hmm. Um, we definitely have potential for that, but I mean, we're many years from it, though. Mm -hmm. It's going to take quite. It's going to take a couple good decades of breeding and working together, and it's hard to do when there's a lot of fighting involved. Yeah, no. yeah. It, it's it's just constant fighting. I get it, man. I mean, someone's you know putting out dogs, making more money than you. You're going to get self conscious. I get that. Um, someone's putting out better dogs, but. You know, you're you're over here having kennel blindness. Your dog might have straight stifles, might be kind of wobbly, and you're thinking your dog's the best. Well, then you're gonna get upset. You know, I I get all aspects of it. It's just like sometimes it's more like shut up and listen to these breeders that know what the hell they're doing. You know, um, you you mentioned. You mentioned about asking me, um, my mentor. Would you want to know more about? Yeah. All right. I got into this breed, um, with the ARF side. Breeders come and go. They're much more older people. Uh, they they didn't last more than you know a few generations because it's how I look at it. You have your own bloodline after three or four generations. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the ARF breeders didn't last that long. So um, maybe it was because dogs didn't sell. Maybe because, you know, um, not saying that they were bad dogs, but just saying, you know, internet-wise, they just, you know, maybe they wasn't internet savvy back in 2005, 2006, and they just couldn't sell the dogs like they wanted to. Um, you just don't know, and a lot of breeders got out a lot of good breeders got out of it uh so i didn't really have any mentor on the arf side because i 
there just wasn't any. There wasn't much. And then some of the people didn't even want to talk to you because, you know, they're like, oh, who are you? You're from a guy from Ohio. I'm from down here in Alabama. I don't want to talk to your ass, you know? Mm-hmm. And I get that. Uh, and uh, so there wasn't many people that really talked with the ARF guy. So I pretty much had to earn, learn everything myself. Um, now, for the ABA side, I got my first dog from Narak Bulldogs which my boy Slater Stone is. Um, and she sent me to a guy named Carl Brignall. I think I say his name right. It's Brignall, whatever. What is it? Brignac. Whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I never actually asked him, how the hell you say your last name? You know what I mean? I just... Uh, um, he's at Landshark, um, Alapaha's Landshark Kennels. He's based in Palm Springs, California. And I got my second Alapaha from him. And, uh, you know, when I first found his website, uh, he it, it didn't really, you know, how you buy something from the Internet. You kind of worry about it. Now it's pretty common. But, you know, nine years, ten years ago, you was like, I don't know if I can trust this site. You know what I mean? So, you know, I was kind of weary about it. And, uh... Karen was like, no, he's one of the people that started the ABBA and stuff like that. Go ahead and talk to him. And I was like, all right, cool. So, you know, I started emailing him. I got his phone number, started talking to him. He was one of the few people, one of the few, I mean, I talked to a lot of people, man. I, I probably conversated with probably over 20, 25 people in the breed from the ARF to the ABBA side. And um, I have to say he had the most... I, he he's the one that actually talked to me the most, you know. Um, he was about stuff. Uh, he he, I think he felt like I was just a guy that wanted to learn, and uh, he had all the he had all the answers that I asked. And I ended up getting a dog from him. She was one of my best. I would say she was definitely one of my best females, and I'm still breeding her dominant traits to this day because she was one of my best females. Um, he was one of my main mentors i talk to him often still talk to him to this day um here and there whenever i you know we never got free time and uh he's a good people man he seems like a good family man sort of like how i am mm-hmm. uh, he, he works and all that stuff he ain't really too i don't think he's really too tech savvy but you know he still he still gets on facebook he ha- tries to help people out he's not like you know He's not like how some breeders are, like, you know, oh, my lines are better than yours. I can't talk to you. He's not like that. If you got something to ask, he'll help you out, and he puts in his points. He's a good guy, man. Um, he was one of my first mentors. After that, I started visiting kennels, and I started really driving out and really seeing the dogs because I felt like you really need to see these dogs and how they truly act because, you know, I can sit there and tell you I got a dog 120. 30, 140 pounds. The pictures might look like it. As soon as I get there, he might be 95 pounds. Mm-hmm. You know? So I was like, man, I got to see how these dogs really are, and I got to see how these dogs really act. Because, you know, some guys, they'll sit there and be like, oh, my dogs protect. My dogs are stable. My dogs are the top dogs ever. And then you see the dog, and the dog doesn't even want to come out the kennel. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I really start getting out here and uh, seeing how these dogs are. So I started driving around, and um, I visited a few different places. Uh, 
And, you know, I noticed that the more places I visit, the more places, the more people I talk to, they're going to, they're all my mentors because everywhere I go, I learn something mm -hmm. and it can be someone new in the breed. It can be just because there's a lot of times that when someone jumps into the Lavaha breed, everyone wants to, you know, point them out. Oh, it's a newbie. It's a newbie. Well, this person might be experienced in another breed and might know more shit than you, you know? So if I happen to be um, going to a show or even organizing a show and someone comes up and they put out some pretty damn good points, I'm going to learn from that. So I can't just say you know, I have one mentor. I have to say everyone I talk to is a mentor because someone's putting out some type, as long as you're listening, someone's going to put out some good information that you can learn off of. And that's what I keep on doing. Another guy... I learned off of is a guy named Ken Spitzig in Canada, and he owns Triple Lapahas. And uh, me and him, man, we we was always really cool. Um, there was a big separation in breeze, obviously, with the ABBA and ARF. Um, he had ABBA lines, and there was another, believe it or not, another separation of breeders and dogs. And on the ABBA side alone, see, the ABBA side was putting out all these dogs, marketing all these dogs, putting out litter after litter after litter, and they wasn't giving these guys papers. So these guys that owned all these different dogs, they wanted to say, hey, I got a Lapaha. I don't got nothing to document this Lapaha. So they started going to another registry with his, the ACA, American Canine Association. They said, hey, we'll, we'll give you guys papers. And uh, these guys started getting papers. So you had these people that separated themselves from the ABBA dogs, even though they're the same bloodline. They just didn't get along with the guy that started it. So you had that separation break apart. And then you got another division of owners. Now, Ken was one of the people that was on the ACA side, and me and him just always talked. And the ABBA side, there was a lot of people because, uh, you know, like I always try to tell people, uh, a lion doesn't know if it's, it's a lion unless you, it's raised by lions. If it's raised by wolves, it ain't going to know it's a lion. It's going to think it's a wolf. Mm -hmm. Well, these ABBA people would go and get the false information of how the breed started or uh, what, you know, what are the good breeders, the bad breeders, blah, blah, blah. And uh, they didn't get the best dogs, you know what I mean? Because there was a lot of clicks, um, just like in any breed. Well, I was with the ABBA and I had the ARF and it wasn't like it was a group. The ARF wasn't a group because it was a bunch of older folks. Um, so I was part of that, but I was also talking because, you know, me starting off, I was like 26, 27 then. I want to know as much as I can. I wasn't no, you know, don't talk to me. This person said you're full of shit. No, let me hear what you got to say because I'll take in what you got to say and I'll take in what I can and learn from that and work with somebody else at the same time and take in what they got to say. And Ken was one of those people that was, that was just breeding good dogs. He just wanted good dogs. He was weight pulling them. 
<laughs> he was working them in the snow in Canada. And he just, he, he, kept, he asked me, he was like, hey, how'd you get your dog so muscular? And I would be like, look, man, I got a formula. <laughs> you know what I mean? It means work your dogs, you know? And me and him just started chatting. We met each other at, when was that first show, babe? 2015? Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, we, we met each other at our first show in 2015. We just hit it off. He was like, man, I got to see your dogs. And I was like, that's fine. I saw um, his boy Ace. His boy Ace was a good, legitimate uh, 22 inches, 85 pounds. That's a good, decent-sized dog for me. You know, I like, had shoulders on him. And I had this one young female named uh, Bella Jade. She was my first generation. And she was one of the few dogs that got OFA tested and passed. And I said, you know, bring your dog down. Let's match him up, you know. And we've been talking this long. Obviously, you know what the hell you're doing. And... You know, I've been lucky so far, so bring your dog down. Hopefully, we'll get lucky with, you know, the pups that come out. Well, ever since then, he checked out all my dogs. He, he was telling me, he was like, man, these dogs look so... Because he wasn't a big fan of the A-Rock dogs. And then, like, I tried to explain to him, you got to see the A-Ref lines in person because, you know, they can look so skinny in person, in photos, I should say. And then in person, they're, like, as thick as I am. And it's, mm -hmm. it's you know, pictures can be deceiving like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, he ended up coming down to all his, all my dogs. He, he, he was impressed. He liked what I, I've been doing. Because um, what I do, I co-own dogs. And I keep dogs that I feel could contribute to my lines. I keep them close to me. Because uh, I'd rather keep a dog that's close to me so my lines can further then sell the damn dog mm -hmm. because then I know this dog has a good home. I know I can come visit this person. I know I can act like a threat and see if this dog actually protects or I can come in like a friend and see this dog actually won't bite me out of nowhere, you know, and see how stable the dog is. And he's seen all the dogs I had and we just hit it off and we've been talking nonstop and uh, he keeps on putting out great dogs. He, every I'm kind of jealous about this, but every damn show he goes to, he wins. And I hate it. I hate it because I be wanting to win sometimes when I'm going against him. And he just, you know, he just knows how to train a dog. So he helped me out with a few training tips. And like I said, everywhere I go, I learn something. And uh, he was one of the few people that taught me that you need to teach a dog this and that. And I... You know, how to dog, how to stay, and the dog needs to know how to stay and where to stay and how to place it, you know. And uh, he's a, he's an awesome trainer, man, and good. he has a good breeder eye. And, you know, uh, like I said, he's still, still to this day, he's still putting out great dogs and making champions, man. So mm -hmm. every day I'm okay. that guy. And on top of everyone else, like I, I uh, help run a show and – you know, people are telling me stuff. Like, when the judges came over, was, you know, telling me tips on this one dog they was uh, judging. And, you know, I ain't going to say exactly, but it helps me out. You know, it helps me out. helps me learn a dog better. You know, not just our breed, but just a, do a canine. A canine isn't a unicorn. I mean, a canine is going to be built almost the same way with the same number of bones and stuff like that. You know? Now, it could be more broad like a bulldog. Or it can be more thin, like a greyhound, but still, it's, it's still a canine, man. Mm -hmm. so I don't know everyone has to be raised with them. 
Um, most puppies, most most of the dogs, like my dogs, have high prey drive. They'll sit there and they don't know the cat. They're going to chase the cat down. They're going to want to get the cat. It's 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 dog chase cats type of type of game, you know. Um, if you want a dog to be awesome with a cat that you already own, make sure they're they're raised together. You know, I mean, uh, I won't say you know every single Alapaha is going to be okay with a cat because it's impossible to say that. You know, there's so many different dogs getting bred and there's so many different breeders. I can't speak on everyone. You know, there's going to have, just like people, you're going to have these people that are just jacked up in their heads and they're going to do wrong things. And that's the same thing with a with a bulldog or a lapaha. You know, sometimes you might get a dog that's gonna kill your cat or chase your cat or go after your cat, and it could just come at eight months, ten months, twelve months. You just don't know. Um, if you were purchasing a dog, I just simply say, hey, you got any photos that uh, you can supply me of your dogs with other animals when they're older, and that's. You know, that's the best you can do, man, because, you know, there's all, these other, there's, there's all these other breeders. I can't say, you know, um, the Lapaha that you get will for sure act like that. Just see what, how the ancestors acted with um, cats and get a dog from someone that has a bunch of different photos with their dogs with cats. You know, the Lapaha does have extremely high prey drive i mean i live um right by lake erie and we get possums we get foxes you know i live in the city but you still get all these different little animals we got a lot of bald eagles birds everything i mean my dogs catches birds man like there'd be a hawk just flying down trying to grab a little mouse in my in the backyard and my dog would try to snatch it up you know mm -hmm. so you know these dogs they have tons tons of prey drive and uh i like to um we got this little wildlife section by uh mommy bay state park it's right off lake erie and i, I like to take my dogs out there because you know they'll sit there and try to go after uh the, the beavers the muskrats um even deers we saw a couple of deers out there they'll just stand there and growl and bark at them a couple couple male deer started sitting there you know, scraping their foot, ready to go, and my dog is sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't there, but the deer ran off, so it wasn't nothing bad. I was kind of, my blood was, I was trembling for a second. I wasn't too yeah. sure if the dog was going to charge. And, you know, these dogs, they, they got balls, man. They got balls. A good dog, a good lapa is going to have some balls to them. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. <laughs> Again, you know, you're going to have these dogs that ain't because that's just like any breed. Right. You know, a dog, dog has teeth, dog has canines, you know, dog communicates by biting most of the time. A puppy communicates by biting. It's, it's going to happen. You know, you, you're never going to have a dog breed that never bites a kid because it's just, it's impossible. Because for one, it might be a bad breeding. It might be bad owners. Um, not teaching the dog right. It might be just bad parents not watching their kids jump on the dog, you know, or scratching the dog eye. I mean, if I'm sitting there and 
I'm getting my eyes scratched out for five, ten straight minutes. I'm going to react, you know. Mm-hmm. So to sit there and say that you won't ever see a Lapaha do it, that'd be a full-blown lie, you know. Mm-hmm. To say the majority are great with kids, that's the truth, mm-hmm. you know. Um, again, ask owners for pictures. Ask owners, okay, uh, or breeders. Let's say uh, I... Like I said, I, I'm on about 16th, 17th litter. I should have plenty of pictures with kids. And obviously, you've seen that. Mm-hmm. So, if someone's been breeding for so many years, they should have those pictures. If they don't, then run to the next breeder, you know? Yeah. Right. More of a backyard version, I'll say. It wasn't yeah. nothing professional. Yeah. Um, for me, like, if, if you're going to do dog breeding in a professional way, that means, like, you mentioned working the dog. Mm-hmm. How testing the dog, confirmation with the dog. That to me are professionals. If you're not doing mm-hmm. any of that, then you're not a professional. You're just a breeder. Mm-hmm. If, if you're a professional, you're breeding for a purpose. Mm-hmm. Whether it's breeding for your own eye of the breed or version of the breed, or breeding for only health or breeding for only confirmation, or breeding for only working, you have a purpose. Uh, to, in my eyes, you're a breeder then. If you're a professional breeder, if you're not breeding for no purpose, then you're just you're, you're just slapping dogs together. You're not actual professional. Um, when I got into American Pit Bull Terriers, I wasn't a professional. I was a young kid, just, you know, got a dog off my cousin Dominic. Um, great. Great dog, um, and uh, bred her a few times, and then I was like, man, I, I really want to do this. I want to start doing this more on a higher level, and that's when I got started getting into the Lapahas, um, mainly because of like that band I mentioned in Toledo. You know, they started being like <coughs> a vicious animal, and I needed a alternate from that, so um, I got into the Lapahas. Oh man! The same reason why uh, Lana made famous, man. The color, the color. Okay. You know, the color, man. They, they caught my eye, man. Yeah. Um, I wasn't hip to Catahoula leopard dogs. You know, I never seen a Catahoula leopard dog. I've seen Merles before, but they're all long, long fur or Great Danes. Yeah. Um, the bulldog version just wasn't around. And I seen a Lapahas when they caught my eye. So, you know, my second dog was Slater Stone, and I love the dog. I love the dog. To say he's one of the best dogs in my yard is a lie. I bred away from his traits because he's just, he's my dude. But he's just, to say that he's like a Karma or like an Ivory Pearl, which was one of my foundation dogs from uh, Carl, I'll have to say that's a lie. You know, he, he just wasn't as good as those dogs, but he's still one of my dudes. He's still, to this day, he'll sit at my feet. I'll sit there on the porch. Don't even need a leash on him. Drink a cool Bud Light and mm-hmm. hang him back in, you know. That, he's my dude. Mm-hmm. Um, to say he's he's the best prospect? No, that, that wouldn't be the truth. Um, he, the color, I got him because of the color. The chocolate Merle, I fell in love with. And his... When I purchased him was on a damn. I want that. I want that chocolate Merle. That chocolate Merle is flashy. You know what I mean. So I ended up getting him. Uh, since then, I've learned. You know, some of these breeders they're keeping blue-eyed Merle puppies. Uh, it, to me, it's 
if the dog ain't already a nice structural dog, then you're just doing it because it's more of the fashion. Yeah. You know, sure. there ain't nothing wrong with that. If, if that's what they're doing, that's what they're doing. You know, but for me, this is how now. This is how I'm thinking. I'm on my fourth, fifth generations now. And uh, the way I'm thinking is I got a good, I need to keep the good structural set and the temperament of the animal. So to me, I'm blind to color now. You know, I'm so used to blind to color now. I got this puppy named Vel Raven I'm keeping. Guess what? She's black and white. Mm -hmm. I got a puppy that my cousin's keeping. Guess what? She's black and white. Um, I got a puppy that I'm co-owning. Guess what? He's black and white. So even though I came into the breed loving the color, I've came to learn you have to be colorblind to create good dogs. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is, not the problem as in you got to be colorblind, but the problem with the Merle is that you can't breed Say you got a fantastic female, okay? You can't breed that fantastic Merle female to your fantastic Merle male because you have a 25% chance of pups being deaf or blind because of the Merle gene. Yeah. Um, now, given that's not a guaranteed percentage, just like you flipping a quarter 10 times, if you had 10 puppies, you can get nine heads, one tail. You can get... Uh, eight tails, two heads, or you can get five tails, five heads. You just don't know. You you, you can't predict how the genetic blocks are going to fall. Uh, but I've learned that it, 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 keeps your, it keeps your hands handcuffed and you're doing everything, let's say, one hand behind, tied behind your back. Mm -hmm. You know? So with black and whites, they can be pearled, they can be paired with anything. Anything. Merles, chocolates, Phones. I mean, they can be paired with anything. So I've learned that all your dogs, if you're breeding with Merles, should be black and white. All your best dogs should be black and white because then, let's say you meet this badass black and white boy, you can breed to him. Now, given you can't sell, you might not be able to sell puppies in a Merle market as easy, but when you want to create good damn dogs, you make that breeding happen. Um, then when you, when you bring to a Merle, guess what? You're going to be breeding damn good dogs. You know, and a lot of people are saying breeders are breeding for color. And that's true. That's 100% true. You see it in American bullies, mm -hmm. but as long as you know what you're doing, as long as you know, dominant traits from animals, um, you can still breed damn good dogs with color, you know, but <laughs> Like, I try to tell all these new new breeders, take it from me, be able to work with both hands. If you start keeping Merle's, you're only keeping one hand behind your back. You know, you can't work with it. So, uh, you can always purchase a Merle, purchase a Merle stud. You can always breed a Merle, you know, but y your base females should definitely be always black and white. That way you're breeding to the best thing you can possibly breed to. It's 100% cosmetic. You can manipulate. If I wanted to say, all I want to do is breed big block dogs, big blockhead dogs and big huge chests, it would be easy to do. 
because you could sit there and travel or go and go to a show and see the biggest dog breed to the biggest dog. Nice, simple, and easy. Because if you breed to a big dog, you're going to you, – you focus on the dominant traits. Let's say the biggest – male or female puppy pops out the growth rate is so much you know growth rate i mean in from two to six weeks it's just skyrocketing you keep that pup it's gonna be a big dog um you keep that dog you breathe again to a big dog boom you got nothing but big dogs so to me uh that's strictly cosmetic for me um mm -hmm. so, given the breed standard you still have to have a certain type of look but when people say, hey, I like big dogs, don't be in the lava house. They're not, majority ain't going to be a big dogs. Um, and if you sit there and say, hey, I like little dogs, don't be in the lava house. They're not going to be little dogs. So if you like a medium sized dog, dog maybe, you might get your 100 pounder, you might get your 110 pounder here and there, or you might get your 60 pound male here and there, you know, but if you like dogs in that range, you're good to go. Mm -hmm. Um, but when it comes to like, uh, like you say with the, with the big heads and stuff, to me, that's, that's, that's more cosmetic than anything. You're not really, you're breeding for looks and looks is smack dead in front of you. I can look at you and say, you got a gray beard. So if I want to sit there and, you know, grow a beard, grow a beard, just like you, you know, it is, it's, it's cosmetic. It's straight in front of you. It's, it's easy, you know? Um, if you want to breed a dog that with more of a straight temperament, that's the tough thing. You know, um, just like any breed, the Lapahaz has a lot of paper hanging in the background. I mean, anything before, how I look at it, anything before the year 2000, any, I mean, American Bullies is all paper hung. Uh, ABs, or, I mean, you never know. I mean, I'm, I'm in a tons of AB groups. So, you got all these people saying, you paper hung that, you paper hung that. So it's in every breed, man. You know, the only, I mean, if you're talking about any type of bulldog or pit bull or bully, paper hang is in there. If you're talking about, you know, um, uh, Ridgebacks or uh, Australian Shepherds, you know, that's not paper hanging. You know what I mean? Because that would change the whole look of the dog. Mm -hmm. But when it comes yeah. to know if you're on paper hung or not and then you start filtering out what you have in front of you so for for me my goal is for a smart dog i need a smart dog i want a smart dog um breeding a dog that's unstable and unsmart is going to be a liability on myself on you the owner um it's going to be just going to be a liability anywhere the dog goes. So I try to breed for intelligence. I want a smart dog overall first. Um, and then I want health to follow that. Because if I'm sitting here making you pay for a $2,000 dog, I want to make sure that dog's running. I want to make sure that dog's still acting like a puppy at seven years old. You know, I don't want to give you a dog that can't walk at two years old. So no, you know what I mean. So hope is my second aspect. Um, after that, I would definitely say uh, working and then confirmation. You know, but the thing is, okay. working and confirmation. If you got confirmation, the working is going to likely follow. Mm -hmm. and as long as you got the intelligence, the 
the working's gonna follow. Cause look at the Belgium, the Belgium Malawas. I mean, hella smart dogs, and look how they are in protection work. So yeah. that's my goal: yeah. three smart dogs. Mm -hmm. oh, I'm I'm one of the the rare types, huh, babe? Um, we don't really have a kennel. Uh, I own four dogs, and how I believe I, you you just can't. Like you said about with the kids, are they good with kids? If I got a dog in a kennel, if I got eight dogs and they're all in kennels, I can't see how they are with kids. You know, mm -hmm. I can't see how my kids are raised with a dog. Like, here, look, hold on. See how that dog is? That dog sleeping on the couch. I can't see that with a dog in the kennel. I can't see that. So I do have crates set up, and we rotate those crates, and uh, we rotate the dogs within the crates. But we at most have four or five dogs in the home. Um, anything after that, you need to have your dog in the kennel. And to me, you can't have, you can't see the true nature of the nature of the animal when it's continually living in an outside kennel all the time. So my kennel is not based on kennels. Um, my kennel is based on friends. It's based on families. It's based on. What I usually do, I try to place dogs in family environments. Um, I have a dog. I have a dog named Boss, one of the ones that stick out to me. Um, Boss is the littermate of Wicca Pearl, which uh, Wicca um, is one of our, one of our best uh, working dogs, healthy dogs, all that. Now, Boss lives in a home with one of my, you know, high school friends. Uh, he said he wanted a good dog, gave him a good dog. Boss is, in my eyes, and I could be kind of blind when I say this, but Boss, in my eyes, is one of the top 20 Alapahas in the breed. You know, and, you know, I'm biased, but still, you know, he's a great dog, man. He he protects them. Uh, they don't, they live in the city. They never have issues. He barks at everyone, uh, keeps everyone at bay, but yet his his kids can hang on him. He's raised with children. Yes, he chews a table <laughs> a time or two, you know, but he, he's a hyper dog. And I like hyper dogs because if you've got a hyper dog, you focus the hyperness on something, you're going to have an amazing dog. So um, he, he's, a, he's a phenomenal dog. And if he, let's say if they said, you know, Josh, I want to take the next step. I want to put my dog in all these different type of events. They would do tremendous. You know, but he, I would rather see how that dog is in the family environment and how he is right now. You know, you can't beat the dog. The dog loves the kids, you know, um, loves his son, loves his wife. You know, he does what he does. And to me, that's a damn good dog. You know, a, dog, a, a, a great dog is molded to his environment, you know, meaning if. You, you can have a mean dog, but if that dog is smart enough to know to change and to be a great dog and not be mean to, you know, kids or family members, because, you know, he's Mexican as long as well as I am. And he has, you know, a lot of, he has like, I think three daughters or two daughters and a couple of sons or so. And, uh, they got families, they got cousins, they all come over his house. He has parties. The dog's perfectly fine. You know, you don't want to own a dog that can't even mingle with people because the dog's going to chew them up, you know? Mm -hmm. 
But to me, that's not stability. Stability is a dog like him um, that can sit there and wonder throughout people, but if a person goes to attack his owner, he's going to stand by his owner. Now, uh, when he was about 10 months old, I tested the dog, and he got the dog, and I tested him, meaning he known me as a stranger. Now, we might go there, check up on him for a couple minutes here and there, but, you know, the dog didn't actually know me. So I threatened him while he was holding the dog, and the dog, you know, I had a bite sleeve on. The dog clamped on, did his work. So I gave the dog a few knees, see if he would come off of it or loosen up his grip. But fucking, that effing dog bit harder. He wanted some business. I'm like, dang, this is a good thing. Guess what that dog did? The dog ended up taking the sleeve, went back, went straight in his house, and was licking his kid's face. You know, to me, that's, that's what you want. You know, that type of dog is what I'm going to be always trying to breed for. Mm -hmm. So that's what I pretty much uh, try to do. And we co-own dogs with different family households. Could be friends. Could be people that just got hip to a lot of that I feel are good prospects. Mm -hmm. You know, for an owner. owner. Um, I don't want to give my dog to someone that, you know, sat there and gave eight dogs up in their past. You know what I mean? I want someone that's going to sit there and treasure the dog and keep the dog and keep it as a family member. Um, that's what my kennel, United Lapahas, is about, is seeing how those dogs are in family environments. So we have about 20 dogs, 25 dogs all together inside the city. Um, people come to my house, you're only going to see like four dogs. If you got a whole day... We're going to go for about a five-hour ride all the way around the city, and we're going to see all these different dogs. So uh, that's that's my kennel right there. It's, it, I can't even say it's, a, it's my kennel because that's why we pretty much come up with the name UAB Family because, you know, we're all family. And I'll take uh, what Ken Spitzig at Triple X Alapahas told me. You give someone their best friend, you're going to be their best friend too. So, you know. That's that's how I look at it, you know. If if I get my buddy a, a, a damn good dog, guess what? We're gonna be good friends too. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I know everyone's on the American Bully kick. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of American Bully. No comment. Um, yeah, yeah. There's so so many different versions. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. Lapahas, you have all kinds of types, but you know, American Bully. They, they, and uh, I won't say all, but a majority that I've been around, they don't have the heat that a Lapaha has. You know, you can probably be mean to a dog, and dog probably, you know, go behind its owner or whatever. So, from my personal experiences, I'm not a big American Bully fan. Um, American Bulldogs, they're just too big for me. Uh, I don't like a 130, 120, 110 pound dog in my home. Um, just too big for me. And plus, you got shit up that they getting out of their body. So, like, you know, this is gonna be too big of piles for me personally. So I go for the smaller piles. Um, I like French Bulldogs. They're cute dogs. Uh, you know, my favorite overall breed is a is a German Shepherd. That's my favorite overall. Breed. Um, I can't handle the hair. You know. Because, I mean, I'm not trying to go to Walmart and see 
four inch strains of hair coming off me while I'm walking. So, you know, that's why I'm not into German, uh, German strippers. Now, I will say though, by the time I'm 60 years old, I'll own a Tibetan Mastiff. Okay. Because okay. I'm not okay. big on big dogs, but that's one dog that I wouldn't mind saying, call or having and calling bear or something. You know what I mean? Because that dog's just one big giant bear, and that'll probably be my final dog breed of my life. It's like the Felas. You know, you go to confirmation shows sometimes with the Felas, and you can't. It says judges can't touch a Fela. No. You know, and you know that's cool for them, but I don't want a dog that you know I have to put away every single time someone's here at my house. Or something, you know? Um, that's a little bit too much heat for me. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong; I, I do have my one boy that he's amazing, you know. But you, the thing is, with having a dog like that, you have to be a great owner. Mm -hmm. um, if you're not a great owner, then guess guess what? Something's gonna happen. That's right. That's right. Um, if I owned a Fila, I would have to have, I have to be where I am now, where I can monitor everything, check up on the yard, make sure there's no escapes in the yard. I'll have to, you know, make sure everything's locked up. Um, there isn't no holes in the fence or holes where they dug at and stuff like that so um if i own one of those type of highly can't touch dogs and that's you know you just got to be a damn good owner for that you know um but no i i will say i'll definitely own a Tibetan master before i die yeah 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 they look cool man they look like a, a, a freaking gigantic chow sometimes but but I've noticed there's two different breeds of the, or two different strains of those lines. So when uh, getting one of those dogs, you're gonna have to be real picky and mm -hmm. get from a breeder that knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Well, depends on the owner. Um, let's say you got an owner that doesn't have no children, uh, lives in an apartment, likes to go jogging, likes to go work out, is very active. Uh, that you know, um, they're gonna do something with their dogs, basically. So a tired dog is a good dog. Um, now, if let's say you're a single mother or a single father or something like that, and you got three children, and uh, you you try to get one of my high drive dogs, you know, I probably wouldn't sell you a dog, and that's not being mean, but. I don't want complications to happen as in I'm getting the dog back later saying, Oh, I can't. Have so, um, because I raised, don't, don't get me wrong. I got three children. Um, me and my girlfriend raised my daughter. I've had on custody since she's been a baby. Uh, so it's not nothing bad about those type of situations but if you're getting a, a drivey high-strung dog you're going to need to do something with the, with that dog but if you're constantly have to go to daycare to pick up your kids then you're coming home doing the laundry for them and then you're going and you know because i did it and it's hard work man it's hard work and um then you have to make dinner it's, it's going to be hard to wear that dog out you know so in an apartment, 
um, if you've got that type of home in the apartment, I'll probably just pass on that because you're not going to get the right dog for you and your life. Um, now, if they're living in a house and the kids are a little bit older, that their kids can wear out the dog, then that's a good family environment. And yes, the Labaha would be fine with them. Mm-hmm. Um, Lapaha most of the time I won't say all the time because there's some Lapahas that are a little bit more lazier than others or there's some Lapahas that just want to chew things up instead of run you know but, uh, most of the time as long as you got some kids that help wear them out and stuff like that and yeah, yeah they're a great family type of animal um, now in my opinion you know uh, the dog in my opinion, no matter what kids do or anything like that, the dog should always know the kids are uh, basically, you know, like you, the master. You know, so that's that's pretty much in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Pretty quick. I can't, you know, okay. we're trying to do some good breedings, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. What we have started up is a, a registry called the Lapaha Bulldog Registry. Um, it's something that there's never been a North American based registry that focused on all Lapaha saying, Hey, you got a Lapaha. Doesn't matter if it's a rough, doesn't matter if it's a BBA version, you have an Lapaha and we register that. Um, it doesn't restrict you because back in the day it was only a rough can breed with a rough. ABBA can only breed with ABBA. ACA can only breed with ACA. This, if you see a nice dog, pair them up together. Um, it's the only way the breed can come together and create better dogs. Um, there's so many. Now, me visiting all these different kennels and uh, different places and holding shows and stuff like that, there's so many great dogs out there. You know, um, so many great dogs. And I think... If you only stick to one side, it's just like I mentioned earlier. You got one hand tied behind your back, and you're not using you're not using the full potentials that you can. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started that, and uh, we're, we've been holding shows. Our our first uh, international show is going to be in 2019. Uh, we've held three shows so far. Um, our first show was the biggest show in North America with with about 60 Alapahas. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty big. Um, 60 Alapahas in one place is like a whoa, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, like American Bullies, you're going to get a bunch of different dogs, but when you're talking about a rare breed that's not recognized by AKC or a rare breed that's you know, just now coming out from the backyard version, you don't you, you don't think you're gonna get a lot a lot of dogs and we end up getting sixty dogs our first show. Uh second show was about forty five fifty. Uh this past show was about forty in Georgia. Um we introduced our new um uh SAT, which is a stability aptitude test. And what that basically is, it has eight different tests. Um and Every two tests, you earn a small title. And it basically tests the courage of the animal, 
um, the handler relationship, the intelligence of the animal, the stability of the animal. And one part is basically you got to walk by um, all these paper figures of people, you know, and your dog has to act right, you know, because, you know, how some people, they got dogs that, you know, you can't even walk by a stranger. The dog is going to lunge at them, you know. So uh, we, we try to hit all aspects of the canine, and it's open to all breeds. And we had about uh, almost 40 at the show and about 70 different dogs or 70 dogs all together. Um, about 30 different other breeds that did the test and uh, checked it out and did CGC stuff. And uh, we're going to be um, doing more events like that here in Ohio and uh, welcoming, welcoming uh, more all breeds to our shows and uh of course like i said doing the international ca uh canadian part as well we want to try to hold one show in canada or well, two shows we're going to try to aim for in canada in 2019 but i think we're for sure going to do one but we're going to aim for two of them and then we're going to try to do a show in st louis and georgia as well in 2019 nothing for sure yet um the only thing we do have for sure is a uh show in uh bowling green ohio in 2019 it'll be the last weekend of april uh anyone that has a canine that wants to try the uh aptitude test can come down we do hang time uh we did tug of war and all that awesome. so uh, that's basically what we're trying to do is is to not necessarily mend the breed but tell people hey you know you don't have to hate on this type of line of dogs there's some good ones there. Go check them out. You don't have to hate on the other line of dogs. There's some good ones. Check them out. Mm -hmm. So it gives people a full opportunity to breed the best dog they can. And without the, the hey, you got this, you can't breed to that type of bullshit, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you when it comes to breeding dogs, you know. If you, wanna, if you got a, a, a breed, you don't see the... American Bulldog people saying, hey, you have a Scott, I'm not breeding my Johnson to it, you know, or you got, you might have a few, but, you know, you don't have your Scott saying, or your Johnson people saying, hey, your Scott is an American Bulldog, you know, they all say it's American Bulldog, and that's where we're at right now, and we're at saying, hey, it's a Lapaha, if you see one you like that can, that moves well, or smart, then breed to it, man. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the only mm -hmm. the whole entire breed will get better. This separation shit, this this it, segregation ain't gonna work. Mm 